Hi, it's Nachum Siegel with this week's edition of JM Rewind. We start this week with Neil Friedman. The service is called Chiflix, a very interesting streaming service geared to the Jewish world. Neil Friedman, conversation about Chiflix on JM Rewind at the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, we, have a, we have a conversation about movies, about film. A lot of people in this audience are, are very uh, interested in the topic, and there are other people in the audience who... Um, who cringe when the word movies is mentioned. So I'm giving you advanced warning if you're in that category. Uh, there is a uh, a brand new service that I actually joined yesterday called Chiflix. I am assuming it is a takeoff on Netflix. And Neil Friedman is with us live via telephone. Uh, Neil is founder and president of uh, Menemsha Films, co-founder of Chiflix, the first streaming service exclusively dedicated to Jewish entertainment. Chiflix launched across North America just about a week ago with over 150 acclaimed Jewish and Israeli films, documentaries, shorts, and television programs. And um, we say good morning to Neil Friedman. Welcome, Neil, to JM and the AM. Thank you. Thank you, Nachum. Welcome to you. I appreciate that. I'm I'm very happy with my trial membership to Chiflix. <laughs> I, I noticed that you subscribed last not yesterday. I didn't. I, I, I saw that on the on the channel. That is correct. I mean, look, I uh, I am always fascinated by collections of um, of uh, anything Jewish, frankly. And having uh, what you have in one place, having uh, uh, so many offerings in the world of what we'll call Jewish film, Jewish cinema, Jewish TV, uh, in one place is certainly a big advantage for people um, who are like me in this audience. Um, and tell me about the, you know, a, a lot of folks would say, hey, these days, you know, Netflix has everything or the other streaming services have exactly what you're looking for. Why is it a good idea for someone to subscribe to Chiflix? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Um, one, uh, simple answer is that uh, you, you find it's one-stop one shopping. You're going to find everything that you'd be interested in viewing all on one channel. Uh, but we do more than what Netflix and Hulu and the other services do. Um, we do our own curating, and we find films that uh, the bigger companies uh, don't put on their network because uh, they're a little bit more specifically Jewish and uh, or Israeli, and um, they're just as good, just as just as important as uh, the big films that you see on Netflix. I mean, this all emanated, by the way, out of out of the fact that we had three films uh, in a row do over a million dollars. And the third film, the most recent, uh, the first two we did sell to Netflix, and the third we didn't sell to Netflix because they're doing, they're doing more and more original programming and not looking to, to find uh, uh, acquisitions to fill their, their programming load. Uh, and when we said to ourselves, uh, if they're not going to take a film, done over a million dollars and has a 97% Rotten Tomatoes rating, we had to start our own channel. And uh, we're just getting started. I mean, the 150 is just the beginning. Um, we're looking to have 2,000 programs on our channel and make it uh, a repository for all things Jewish and Israeli. Can I ask you what those films were, the ones that uh, originally were sold to Netflix and, and then the one that they wouldn't take? Sure. The first one was a movie called Doe, starring Jonathan Price, a British comedy. Uh, did over a million dollars. The second one was a wonderful uh, Israeli film, The Woman's Balcony, that actually played at the old Lincoln Plaza Cinema 
for 15 weeks up on the Upper West Side. Uh, and then the third is a, was a Hungarian film, black and white uh, film called 1945, which is sort of representative of what, what we do when I say that we, we discover films that other people don't discover. And this is a film that uh, to, uh, is exquisite. And it's a film that, uh, like I said, it has a 97% Rotten Tomatoes rating, which means there were 67 reviews and only one negative out of 67. So if somebody's not going to put a film on their, on their channel of that quality, then we knew uh, we had our own, uh, we had to have our own way of uh, presenting these kind of really special films uh, for the Jewish audience out there. And um, that's not the only film of, uh, you know, that sort of represents the quality that we uh, uh, adhere to and, and, and also uh, our curatorial uh, uh, abilities, I think, that are unique. Uh, we've been sort of the leading, we have been the leading distributor in the Jewish world of film for, uh, since 19, 2003, and we have over, close to 100 titles that are just Jewish. And, uh, you know, we, we, we now exclusively work just in Jewish and Israeli films, and we, we feel like we have a talent that, uh, that no one else does, and it was time for a Jewish uh, channel. Neil Friedman, Israeli channel. Neil Friedman is with us live via telephone. It's called Highflix, C H A I F L I X. The um, or actually C H L I C K S. Yeah, I was just going to correct myself. C H A I F L I C K S. It's called Highflix with the word "flix" spelled properly. Um, <laughs> unlike some other companies that refuse to do that. Uh, I see. It's funny because I'm always under the impression that 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 places like Netflix and others are desperate for content, but because and, and you've explained, and I'm just confirming that because they are now they and others are now arranging for, paying for, producing their own content. Uh, they're not looking as much to other sources, to outside sources, to to get material. Would that be the right way of summing it up? That's absolutely correct, and. Um uh, you know, the same transition, if you may remember, uh, HBO, when they first started, they were uh, had a, basically were a movie channel. But over the years, they, right. they progressed to being uh, producing their own uh, programs, and they were less interested in acquiring films from outside uh, their own channel. And they became, uh, uh, you know, original programming channel. And that's what's happening with Netflix. It's, uh, you know, it has... Uh, uh, it's interested in its own programming and, and promoting its own programming. And there's plenty of room out there for uh, a film that uh, is cura a, a channel that is curated just with uh, Jewish and Israeli films for an audience among the, uh, among the Jewish folks. Yeah, I mean, they're interested in, in Jewish and Israeli films uh more than any other kinds of films, and, and to see one after another after another. Yeah, I mean the, the 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 comparison is a great one, the HBO comparison, because yes, a lot of the a lot of channels, a lot of pay channels, a lot of basic channels, have gone in much different directions than the original uh, than their original mission, frankly, and uh, and now you can you know pick up where they've left off, so to speak. Uh, d d can you reveal how many total films and or TV shows and or dramas and documentaries are now available on Highflix? Right now, we have 100 that are available. We have 50 on the tarmac ready to put on the channel. So that's 150 that uh, that we acquired. Uh, we originally started with our own films uh, because we have 80 to 100 of our own titles. 
but the net, but the channel is 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 not to be uh, our own films. It's really to be the repository for all things Jewish and right. Israeli. Right. And we expect that our own titles will become de minimis on the channel. I mean, right now we have one television series on there. We've acquired two others that we're going to put on uh, shortly, and we're looking to pick up other television series. Uh, and we have programming in all different types of programming. Uh, we have, we have um, uh, storytelling. We're going to have dance. We're going to have cooking shows. We're going to have sh- uh, shows for young, ki- young people. Uh, across the spectrum. So if you wanted to see anything Jewish, no matter how old you were, are, or, or what your interests are, you'd be able to find something that is, is going to be worth your while. What did I pay? It's six bucks a month, right? Six dollars a month? Five ninety nine. Yeah. Five ninety nine a month. Uh, by the way, I discovered a couple of things I want to point out. First of all, you have the heading home movie. Worth the price of admission, as they say, <laughs> because it's one of, one of my favorite films. That's one, of course, about Team Israel, and anybody who hasn't seen it, we actually went to a theater to see it. Anybody who hasn't seen it yet, check out High Flicks, and you can check out Heading Home. And again, there's hundreds of offerings, but we're just pointing out a couple. Also, I I, I wasn't even aware of certain information until I saw High Flicks. I didn't know that Soon By You had four seasons of episodes. I thought they had like one season that I had seen. Now there's a whole bunch of stuff I haven't even seen yet. So one of the reasons I like your service is because I'm then kept up to date on stuff that interests me that I didn't even realize was out there. Well, that's that's <laughs> that's the beauty of what we do. I think uh, we're 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 doing something uh, on a cultural level for the for the Jewish audience, where we're we're we are looking under every rock for everything that is we think that uh, the Jewish audience would would enjoy and or learn from i mean i think we were uh, you know the the basic concept of the channel is is to learn our own cultural history right and anything that's new and different that we find we think our audience is also going to have that same reaction so that's that's a 24 7 uh quest for us to find uh new programming and excite people uh as we go forward Uh, with more and more new programs that they haven't seen or heard about. Oh, there'll be a lot of excited people in more ways than one because you know that when someone puts together a Jewish project, and this is something that I can attest to for three and a half decades, uh, you're going to get a lot of interesting reaction from all across the board. I have a feeling it's happening already, Neil. Am I right? Yes, we've had a great launch, uh, Nakam. I think, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, really surprising how strong it's been. Um, we're just starting. Uh, we're just one week in, um, and uh, as I said earlier, uh, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no top to this. So we, we every, right, for every, I, we're I gonna continue that. to look for programs, and we expect that this will be like a library. Right, I get, uh, I get that. Repository. I get that. But my point, of course, was that you know already you have categories that are going to. Uh, that are going to, you know, raise some objections among certain people. And, and you know, often that's the sign of success in our community when, when, people, when, right. people, when people start raising their voices about what you are or what you are not presenting. So that's that's my point. That's one of the reasons I gave a disclaimer, frankly, at the beginning of this conversation, because not everybody uh, is, is as open-minded when it comes to uh, the different film offerings under the Jewish category. Um, uh, that that you have now. What about series, uh, especially TV series from Israel? I won't name any names, but there are a couple that I specifically looked for. In other words, there are a couple of series, you know, really well known um, landmark series that have made their mark over the last uh, few years in Israel and around the world because of the 
service of you know different streaming services are those are those among the 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 offerings that you're looking to obtain is it possible that really popular uh series that have uh, really become uh, international sensations could be on your platform soon absolutely um i think those series that you're referring to are really the gave us the confidence to go forward with our own channel uh when when you have these series that you're you're referring to not by name but we all know what which ones you're you mean um, you you know you have a strong core Jewish audience, and you also have a non-Jewish audience. Right. I mean, our audience is is uh, primarily Jewish, but um, we 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 see the popularity of certain uh, certain series, and we know that people are interested to see to see those series. As a matter of fact, to give you an example, um, the Unorthodox series that uh, or on Netflix, right. Um, and made Shira Haas into a, a you know a, a, a lead a, a international movie star. Correct. Uh, she's up for a, an Emmy now, and we, we we now have her next two films that are not yet released. And and just knowing that Shira Haas is someone that people want to see act in in a, in a program, we went ahead and, and uh, acquired her next two films. Interesting. As far as TV series are concerned, um, we are getting. We're right at the point now where we're going to compete for the series that you're talking about. Um, that's that's our goal. Interesting. Uh, and um, uh, we have something unique that no one else does, and that is that we have a core audience of people that we know everybody who's on uh, who subscribes to this channel are going to be voracious in their appetite for these for, for the quality program. Yeah. Look, I, I again. You know, I I am one of those people that that feels a, a platform like this is necessary and important. I know there are people who disagree with me, but I am one who believes that this is one that needs to be supported. Now, how many subscribers do you need to make this a success? You need how many people out there to, you know, to keep this going and to and to make it a real effort? Are we talking about you know five hundred, five thousand, fifty thousand? What are we talking about? I think fifty thousand uh, is is a good number because you mentioned it, uh, but, and I think we're going to. I don't see a problem in getting there, to be honest with you. And uh, and obviously, this is open to people around the world. I mean, it's not just the U.S. But no, just North America. But oh, we just will, North we America. will expand to uh, at least English language world after after North America. Is it possible? Maybe the is, entire world. Is it possible you'd expand to Israel? Maybe Israel as well, for, especially for a diaspora. Uh, yeah, I, I think Israel would get you thousands of subscriptions, frankly. Exactly. Um, the tricky part there would be, obviously, the uh, Israeli programming would be, uh, you know, w- would be difficult to acquire because they would be controlled by Israeli networks. Right. But um, Israel is, is, is absolutely, uh, you know, you know the, it may be the second most important uh, market for us, um, you know, uh, you know, there's seven million Jews in in North America, and there's six and a half to seven million Jews in Israel, yeah. and uh, that's the core audience for for a channel like this. And a lot of them who really appreciate film, frankly. Uh, Neil Friedman's with us. We're talking about High Flick, C H A I F L I C K S. One other th- point I want to make before I let you go, and that is that um, I, I th- again personal opinion, but but I would like a platform like yours to offer some of the classics. I want to see Fiddler on the Roof on your platform. I want to see Exodus on your platform. I want to see Our Man in Damascus on your platform. I want to see some World War II movies that are important on your platform. Is that a goal of yours as well or not? Absolutely. Uh, Fiddler on the Roof, Yentl, right. uh, 
funny girl, funny. Uh, but I mean the historic. The title, but, so we want but, to I mean, have on there. but I mean the historic ones also. I want my kids to have a place to watch Exodus and Our Man in Damascus and appropriate World War II films, etc. You know that involve the Jewish world, and I think that. Uh, Again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna encourage you. You don't have to listen to me, but I'm gonna encourage you to get those on your platform at some point. Uh, we're already we're already uh, going in that direction. I think that the idea here is that anything that's important for education or cultural history, uh, where uh, people can learn about uh, their their, their ba- uh, background and where they come from, and uh, expand their own knowledge of the, of themselves and their in their in the Jewish world is what this channel is all about. All-encompassing is really our, our goal here. So um, when you talk about Fiddler on the Roof, that's like a no-brainer for us. And finally, Neil, even though I have no right to offer you any advice, <laughs> I am still, right. still going to take advantage of the fact that you've called in, which I greatly appreciate. <laughs> yes. And that is that uh, it's obvious from your offerings that, again, you have a lot of stuff across the board. Uh, that appeals to a lot of different people of a lot of different political uh, bents, et cetera, et cetera. I would encourage you that if there are documentaries and series out there that concentrate on, I don't know, Jewish attitudes to the Temple Mount or, 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 or things having to do with Judea and Samaria, again, from a relatively objective documentarian uh, point of view, I would encourage you to offer those as well so that uh, people could get a, uh, a, 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 a people could remain open-minded and get a, an interesting perspective from all angles about Jewish life. Um, we are not restricted in our focus in terms of uh, any political bent. Great. Uh, we're, we want this to be an open channel for everybody to uh, peruse it and to watch and, and see what, what interests them uh, across the spectrum. Can, listener, goal. can listeners make recommendations to you? Like if they find a documentary they think would be appropriate, could they send it to you? Absolutely. Or? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny you say that because... As, as a film distributor uh, in, in the company Menemsha, which is, you know, the uh, uh, company that has been distributing Jewish films for a long time, right. a lot of the films that we do end up acquiring come from even other distributors that recommend them to us. So when you have folk and film festival people, uh, so that would be absolutely wonderful because the whole excitement for me is, is, for, my own, is for my own education, my own growth. So if a listener... Uh, suggest a film that they're interested in seeing, and especially if I don't know about the film, that gets me up in the morning and gets me excited. So if that company that's been stopping by here before Corona ever does finish the film on Yeshiva League Hockey, you do want to you want to consider putting it on your platform. Are you kidding? That's, <laughs> that would be a home run for us. Um, uh, no, it's funny you say that. Uh, you know, uh, as a kid from uh, Little Neck, uh, Queens, who... Uh, played hockey uh, when, it, when it was in the old days when it was cold enough to freeze a lake. I would love to have that. <laughs> and if the AP in that film that they're doing about Yeshiva University basketball ever finishes that film, another one that got that got uh, stalled because of Corona, you would want that one as well, I would hope. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, I was a basketball player as a, as a, as a young man also. There we so, go. Uh, you know, that would be great. Um, that would be fantastic. One of our listeners asks on our app, is Flix available as an app on uh, iPhone and or Android? Yes, the the the, the Hi, is available on every app. That's that's uh, that's what we did in going uh, public with our launch last week. We we were, were we waited until all the apps were ready, and you can access it uh, through any app that exists in the universe uh, to make it easy for people once they heard about it and, and know about it from our public 
relations of going out into the public and letting people know we exist. Meaning, 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 when you say any app, you mean any like any Android or iPhone, as long as they search High Flix on their app store. That's correct. Right. Okay. Correct. And you know, Roku and uh, Apple TV right. and. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, I, the, I, I registered. Yeah, a, I registered on my laptop, so I can now take that account and use it the same account on my app. Yes, absolutely. Okay, um, good. You know, we want people to be able to project this on, you know, see it on their television if if, if they want to. And um, you know, I think uh, you know it, it's you know. First of all, let me say one thing: um, having the Corona ter- uh, situation. You know, obviously, it's a horrible situation, yep. but. We launched the first, you know, in a beta stage, we launched in March, right. the first week of uh, Corona. Right. And, you know, people just can't get enough. I mean, if people are home and they can't, yep, you know, that's uh, true. and they're not going to school or going to work, um, this, is the, this is the time to explore and, and, and enjoy and, and uh, educate themselves. And this has ca- captivated uh, our audience out there uh, when they're stuck at home. No question about it. No question about it. A lot of good children's programming, by the way, both from Israel and from here. Holiday stuff, you know, there's a lot of good stuff that came out over the last couple of decades. One of the benefits of having kids in my 20s now, I know all the children's stuff that came out over the last 20 years. And so I encourage you to include that as well. Look, look, don't take offense that I'm giving you all these suggestions. It means I'm enthusiastic about your service. No, I'm take offense. I think, uh, you know, I, I, this is this is the fun part of it. To, I, I, I like to learn. That's That's the whole... That's the whole process here, uh, you know, and, and I really mean that. The more I, you know, the more I, I grow, uh, the, you know, and use and, and know about the, my culture and my own history, uh, the more exciting it is for me. And that's what keeps me going. And I, 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 I uh, encourage everybody to, to recommend uh, programming to me because, you know, we, we look, you know, we have films from, and, and, and programming from, from every country in the world. Right, but if 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 there if somebody is t- is telling us about something that we didn't know exists, that excites us excites us uh, uh, in, uh, you know extra specially Does... because uh, you know we're like a we're like a kid we're like a subscriber we want to see new programming and and be excited by it and we want to share it with the world. Do all your non English offerings have subtitles? Yes. Yes. Neil Friedman. Yes, yes. Neil Friedman is co-founder of Highflix, C-H-A-I-F-L-I-C-K-S. If film is something that strikes your fancy and you're willing to uh, check out a list of a very, very diverse list under the umbrella of uh, Jewish films and, uh, and and TV shows, then check out Highflix, C-H-A-I-F-L-I-C-K-S. Remember, they do have an app, both Android and iPhone. Uh, and a variety of other uh, methods, as uh, Neil mentioned, that you you could access it. I registered yesterday and became a, a trial member through my laptop. Very simple, through the highflix.com website. You can check it out, and uh, you can make suggestions to Neil, as he said. You can make suggestions. Yes, very he, excited he, about that. He wants to hear from everybody what should be included in something like this, and you heard some of the things I said, and I think we should encourage him to include those and others. Um, I, I thank you. I'll be in touch in a month or two and let you know... Uh, uh, how the uh, service has gone so far, and I thank you for joining us this morning, Neil. And good luck to you with this uh, with this effort. Thank you, Nachum. I'm looking forward to keeping up the dialogue. I appreciate that. Highflix is the site. Highflix is the app. C H A I F L I C K S. I may have misspelled it, by the way, Avrami. Executive. Uh, well, I, f- I forget what Avrami's new title is. What's his latest title? <laughs> Whatever it is, he's essentially he essentially has like five titles for us because he does so many different things for our amazing network. 
So if I if I misspelled it, I I apologize. It's Chaiflix, C H A I F L I C K S, on a Monday morning broadcast at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, heard on listener sponsored digital radio, round the world, the web, and AlchemSiegel.com and the AlchemSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. That was my conversation with Neil Friedman of Highflix. Next up, Dr. Elias Stromberg about the book Chosen Fathers, Life Lessons Learned from Fathers of Children with Disabilities. My conversation with Dr. Stromberg is next on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Dr. Elias Stromberg is with us live via telephone. He's author of the book Chosen Fathers, Life Lessons Learned from Fathers of Children with disabilities. Dr. Elias Stromberg is the father of an adult son with disabilities. As a teacher and school principal, he has educated typical and disabled children and has counseled parents how to raise children to achieve their full potential. He shows fathers and mothers how to reframe their perceptions so that disappointments become opportunities for success and joy. Information about Dr. Stromberg's work, uh, you can go to the following website, fathersconnect.com. Again, that's fathersconnect.com. Dr. Elias Stromberg, welcome to JM in the AM. Well, thank you. I'm uh, pleased to be here. Appreciate that. Nice to speak with you. Why'd you write the book? Why did I write the book? Well, because the experience of uh, my personal experience uh, when I discovered that I had a child with disabilities was uh, was devastating to me. I mean, uh, in my professional life as a, as an educator, a school principal uh, with a master's degree in special education and uh, experience teaching in special ed and then a Ph.D. in education, um, I, I've been involved with other parents helping them solve issues of their children for I mean, that's been my professional life. And then suddenly when I had a child with disabilities, I wasn't prepared. I, I mean, it was like all that preparation just disappeared. And it was, uh, it was a shock. It was just a true shock. So the, the work that, uh, that I had to do to accept that I was now uh, not the father I expected to be, not uh, and couldn't be the kind of parent that I had expected to be. Um, it took years, but eventually when I really grasped what that was all about, and, and with my wife's help, we were able to really be very successful as parents. So then I became like very concerned that other parents also had that, uh, could also learn that they too could have a very joyful experience being a parent of a child with special needs. How long ago was, and, your, how long ago was your son born? Uh, he's 30 just this year. Um, this book, and uh, it actually says this on the back, is you speaking with, or actually it's in the form, I guess we would say, of interviews, uh, conversations, 13 different fathers speaking honestly about accepting the reality of having a disabled child, a situation they never expected and certainly never wanted. From these fathers and from your professional experience as an educator, you identify four life lessons which every father can use to raise his child to its full potential. So they, so it's clear that this book, uh, I would assume, can be a tremendous guide 
for a father who finds himself in a similar situation to you. Who did you have 30 years ago to turn to who was also a father in a situation similar to yours so that you could change your, that, that would help you change your outlook on being a father of a disabled child? That's a great question, Malcolm. Uh, the truth is that when my son was born, uh, my second, he's my second son, um, when he was born, I, I didn't have anybody to turn to. And that's in great part why it was so difficult. But HaKadosh uh, Baruch who blessed me with an experience when my son was three months old with, um, where I met Professor Ruvain Forstein of Zichron uh, Lavracha, who um, at the time was the head of an, an internationally acclaimed institute for uh, children with the developmental delay, uh, de- 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 delay, pardon me, developmental delay. And um, I was encouraged to go to Professor Forestine. Uh At that point, at three months, I was in a deep depression uh, over the experience, but someone said, go and, and let Professor Forestine look at your son. So to make a, a long story short, um, I walked into the professor's office holding my three-month-old son, uh, and I put out my hand to shake the professor's hand in greeting. He ignored my hand, and he grabbed my son, Ariel, out of my arms and looked deeply into Ariel's eyes and began poking him all over his body. And after about probably three or four minutes of silence of just the professor poking little Ariel, he looked up at me and he said, you got a good one. And that Nachum was actually the very first positive thing any professional had said to me in three months. What did he mean by good one? What he, well, it took me time to, di- to uh, discover what it was exactly he meant, but uh, what, what he was implying by that was that Ariel was just exactly as as perfect as he was meant to be. Hmm. Because what I understood, the professor then went on. He, he, after telling me that I had a good one, he said to me, you know, I'm the grandfather of a, of, a, of a boy with Down syndrome. And then he said to me, do you know how he came to me? And I said, no, I, I didn't know. <laughs> he said his neshama, his soul, was flying around in heaven, looking down, saying, where am I going to land? Where am I going to go? And he looked down, that Neshama looked down, and it saw me, and it said, Ah, Feuerstein, that's where I'm going. I, I, and, I understand the attitude, but still, even with that story and that encounter, I, I would assume you still felt that you might be incapable of being a good father to this type of child. Well, but what I understood from, from the professor was that what he was telling me is that I was chosen. Right. That I was chosen to be the father of this child with Down syndrome. And, and that meant, if, if a Kaddish Baruch Hu was sending me this child, that meant that I was capable. Right. That I had everything within me. To I might not know everything, but I'm certainly capable of learning it. But that I was exactly the right father for this child. So that whole experience turned me around. 
So and when, it was from that point mm-hmm. that I began to accept uh, my son, my situation, and myself. So when, and, so when we praise yeah. parents of children in difficult, let's just call it that, I don't even know what the right terms are, in difficult situations, uh, there's a reality to that. It's not just to give you a boost or to give the mothers and fathers a boost. It, there is a reality that they are meeting a really difficult challenge and pro- and proving that they can do it well. If their child is growing up and advancing and you know meeting their capabilities, so to speak, then then those parents are doing, I guess we'd say, a fabulous job. I, I would agree. Yeah, that's true. Um, but- yeah. What that requires, though, the, the core issue for that, however, is acceptance. Right. And if a parent, uh, until a parent comes to the point right. that he or she fully accepts that this, this is now the reality, it's not what I expected, and all my dreams and all my aspirations may not come about anymore, Right. And it's not what I wanted. No parent wants to have a child with, with uh, disabilities, particularly fathers, especially fathers. We so identify with the success of our children. Right. Uh, well, not just it, that. We're, we're also not mothers. <laughs> you know, that's right. We mo- don't have that biological right. connection. Mo- that, mothers have a natural instinct that we don't have. Uh, uh, Dr. Elias Stromberg's with us. Chosen Fathers is the book, Life Lessons Learned from Fathers of Children with Disabilities. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but give, i got to go back for a second. Give me a number. Uh, accepting the challenge, the way you described it, you know, coming to terms with it, but it sounds like even deeper than that. Is what percentage of the battle? Would you say once you're in that mindset, you're 95% there, or it's not that high, or it's even higher? I know. I think that I, my, my belief and what I encourage others, other parents to accept is that it, it's, it's at least 95%, wow. if not more. That Because once one accepts that this is, this is the best that... Uh, this is what's right, right. not that. This is what's right for me, and my child is the best that my child can be. I mean, uh, uh, Hashem made every one of us perfect, right. no matter what kind of abilities or disabilities. That's exactly what we're supposed to be. I, 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 I assume when you decided who to interview for this book, you had to be very choosy when it came to which fathers you would include, because you, you obviously wanted people who were of the same mindset, I would guess, right? Well, uh, there were some fathers who, uh, uh, well, when you say mindset, referring to like feeling about being chosen, correct? That which, um, well, as it turns out, yes, all the all the fathers I interviewed are Shomer Shabbos fathers, and so they have some connection to a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Um, but. Um, the, the, not not everybody was at a point of acceptance. Right. The, the, there were fathers I interviewed who realized that they were very very far from accepting things and didn't they couldn't face it and the interviews didn't continue or they discovered things about themselves that they hadn't really shared with anybody, including their wives, and weren't ready to. Uh, 
to reveal publicly. By, uh, and we should mention, by the way, that some of the fathers you speak to in the book are fathers of of multiple children with with difficulties. Right. Yeah. There's one father right. uh, who three of three of his I think now they have I think seven, but that three of his children have uh, are severely disabled uh, auditorily, uh, along with autism, and I mean how this man continues the, the faith he has and uh, the level of acceptance that he and his wife and I just want to emphasize it's not just it can't just be one person alone yeah you talk it's about to, you talk about building a team right right I was gonna that's that's, that's right without a team effort right. without each one each parent or parent and partner uh, not necessarily the biological parent with without each one of them feeling supported and backed up, uh, it's, I don't know how a single parent right. who doesn't have another support, how they do it. Right. There are some. <laughs> but a guy like me doesn't know how a single parent does it in a regular situation, frankly. <laughs> but uh, cer- certainly <laughs> the, one right. you're, the one you're describing. How is Ariel today? Oh, thank God. Ariel is amazing. Uh, he, um, he lives in a community... Uh, uh, that the the entire community here in it's uh, south of Jerusalem, the entire uh, community um, is centered around the school that he's been in since he's eight years old. He's wow. now thirty. Wow! And uh, it's a condition to live in the community that a family agree to, in one way or another. Um, be part of the school. And so, like, Ariel has a mishpacha. He has a family that right. he goes to uh, for dinner once a week and then on Shabbos for a meal. Uh, he works in the community. He's a baker. He, the, uh, they have a bakery there. And um, he's been blessed with, you know, so many kids with Down syndrome in particular are hypotonic, meaning that their they're, uh, physical stature is very, very loose, very flaccid. Ariel is just the opposite. Ariel has four gold medals in uh, bicycling in the Israel Special Olympics. Wow. Yeah, and he's a soccer player, and he, he, he scores double digits on their basketball team that the school has intramural. He's got a horseback ride, which is something they do there at the school. They have therapeutic horseback riding. And in, in the Special Olympics, they have horseback riding, and he's got medals from that. He, this is a, a blessing that he's been given because it's allowed him to socialize with kids his own age and older. When he comes home to visit us, uh, he goes to the, to the local playground, the Migrash, although not now during the corona, but uh, he used to go there. And he was always uh, chosen uh, as goalie. For pickup soccer games. Well, if we're, if, well, if we're gonna if we're gonna if we're gonna heed your words about building a team, we've got to recognize the schools and the communities like you're describing that are part of that whole team. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a team effort. Um, and, uh, the, the, he, we've been blessed with the school that he's in because they uh, from the very beginning. Ariel was actually one of the first four students in the school. And from the very beginning, the school had the 
belief that every child had to learn to be a giver, that children with, particularly children with special needs, are constantly taking, they're constantly receiving, they're constantly being given to, but the, the direction, the director of the school, Noah Mandelbaum, had this understanding that everybody needs to learn how to give. So from the very beginning, uh, they had a, uh, when the school started, they still have, but when the school started, they, uh, Ariel was a, a, a madrich, was a leader at the, the Pinot High, at the, they had a petting zoo. And he was in charge of the rabbits. And when other schools would bring their kids to the petting zoo out there in Gouchetzion, that they, uh, Ariel would show other kids how to hold the rabbit, how to pet the rabbit, how to feed the rabbit, so that he was giving from the very beginning. Wow. And um, uh, it's just been amazing that the, he, he's a mensch. The co- the, the, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're very blessed. This is what Professor Forstein was talking about. It took us time, but we did get a good one. The we co- got a real good one. The cover photo, <laughs> the cover photo is, I assume, from 20-plus years ago? Uh, well, the cover photo is a stock photo, to be honest. Oh, that's not... <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> <laughs> no, that's not Ariel, and that's not me. That's hilarious. Uh, Dr. Elias Stromberg, right, a couple other things I want to tie up um, in, in terms of what you've written about. Um, and I, I know it's hard for, for those of us in, in regular situations to relate to this. You, you talk about how the professionals generally um, speak directly to the mothers and sort of, I don't know if this is the right word, sort of ignore the fathers. It, it, it's honestly, for, the, for those of us who are fathers who, are, who feel we've been really involved in our children's upbringing, it's sort of hard to understand that. But, but is that the reality? Well, first of all, let me say, uh, Nachum, that, that things have changed. Um, but one of the realities, though, is that mothers, I mean, mothers are much more involved in raising children than are fathers. Right. Fathers are out working, they're right. away from home, and the mothers are interacting with the, 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 kids more, the right. doctors right. and the therapists right. and the school. And because, yeah, but it, but it, but, part, it, but it seems you're but it seems you're indicating that they that they meaning the school professionals the doctors would prefer not to have to include the fathers in the whole process. Am I reading that wrong? I, I'm not. Well, I'm not. Uh, I'd be interested to hear exactly what you know where you 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 heard that. But I mean, from what I wrote. But the the um, I don't think that they're that they uh, don't want to talk to fathers. I, I think that they are more comfortable talking to mothers mm. um, because they have more experience with it. I, I, just and, thought, I just thought you were saying there's like an but, assumption among, the, among them that the fathers do not want to be as involved as one might hope they would be. That's what I would I say. I think that's correct. I also um, I think that they don't know how to talk to fathers. They don't understand that... And the, the, a father's reaction to having a child with special needs is different than a, a mother's reaction. Right. And that there's, um, there's a need. Fathers don't connect. We're, we're not connectors by nature. Right. As our as uh, men are not connectors by nature as are women. And 
So it's a little harder for the professionals to um, develop a relationship with the father. They don't understand that we are more interested in um, solving problems <laughs> and, uh, and, and taking care of business. And there's another side that I do, I, I must say, um, professionals also have agendas. Right. And they often don't want... Uh, they're, they're more comfortable imposing their ag- agenda on mothers right. who are tendent, who tend not to fight back, right. if you will. Understood, understood. All right, um, I'm not going to read through them in order because I want people to buy the book and, and go through the life lessons themselves, but I do want to mention a couple of things about them. One is you're, you're, you're strongly suggesting, and boy, oh boy, I think this can apply to any family, keep your expectations in check. Uh, you know, life is all about expectations. And if you lower your expectations, and I'm saying that not in a negative way, because obviously I'm not talking about really lowering them to a, you know, to the ground floor. But if you, but if you, if you reasonably manage your expectations, life, especially in a situation like yours will go smoother, right? Absolutely. And the, and the other thing is we always talk about, I mean, and you, and you allude to this, maybe you don't, you don't put it this way, but people could read and see how you do put it. Happiness is a choice. And when you're a parent in this situation, you you can relate to the fact that there will be people who will be depressed. I'm not using the word clinically, but you get my point. Uh, there are people who, who, who can choose to be depressed, and there are other people who can choose to look at this as a real opportunity and, and a growth opportunity, not just for the child, but for the parents as well. And I guess that that happiness quotient, that happiness factor is a really important one. That's absolutely correct. Uh, th- this is why acceptance is so critical because without acceptance there's resistance and when that resistance is lowered one can begin to uh, recognize the growth opportunities and make discoveries I've I've, I've spoken internationally, I spoke in front of a, a, um, a group of parents in England and a mother said to me she said, you talk about joy, but I've got a teenage daughter in diapers who can barely talk, and I'll never hear her say, Mom, I love you. And what kind of joy is there in that? And, I mean, you know, that, that's a heavy question. That's a hard thing to respond to. But what I said to her is that I bet you I, – and I didn't put it quite like so flippantly, but I said that – I said – You've had to give to your daughter without any expectation of return. And it's a level of giving that is like the highest level of giving. It's giving lishma. It's giving without any expectation of return. And I said, did you ever experience that before? And she stopped and she she said, no, I, I never did. And I said, well, that's like, that's an exceptional ability that you have that you probably didn't know, not probably, you didn't know you had until, that, until you were taking care of your daughter. So we, we, we begin to discover things about ourselves that we didn't know were there. And yeah. the, 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 the growth that we can do to become the people that we're supposed to be is greatly enhanced 
when we can let go of those expectations of, of like what we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to be it yeah. and how everybody else is supposed to respond uh, accordingly. My, uh, uh, yeah. So it's a, the, the other thing is, is like learning to uh, recognize the, the mountains that our children are climbing. Uh, I, I, something I learned from my doctoral advisor was a concept that he used to call it little steps for little feet. And the, the recognizing that every little step forward is giant because it's moving in the direction of growth and of acquiring uh, skills. And whatever level one gets to, that's the level they're going to get to. Right. But as long as we keep seeing those little steps in that forward direction, that's, that's an opportunity to feel joy. That's an opportunity to feel success. That's an opportunity to recognize that the child is working and growing and that you as a parent are doing the right thing. And, and, and everybody, the team is. And it's it, all working. So. And it, and it certainly gives parents an opportunity to look at it uh, as as a worthwhile investment because of all the time and effort you put in, and then you get to see those accomplishments. And like you just described, if people would understand how significant those accomplishments are, it makes it even easier to appreciate the investment that went into it. Right. Uh, Dr. Elias Stromberg's book is called Chosen Fathers. We're highly recommending it. It's life lessons learned from fathers of children with disabilities. It is for... Uh, every type of father out there, no matter who your children are, what their capabilities are. Again, it's Chosen Fathers, Dr. Elias Stromberg, S-T-R-O-M-B-E-R-G. Dr. Stromberg, how do people obtain this book? Well, it's available on Amazon. That's the, the uh, easiest way to get a hold of it. All right. It's called Chosen Fathers, Life Lessons Learned from Fathers of Children with Disabilities. Please send our best regards to Ariel, and thanks for joining us Thank this you. morning. Thank you very much, Nachum, and Hatzlacha to you, and a, a Chodesh Tov, a, a good month. Ahead. Chod- Chodesh Tov, yes, let's make it a good month. Let's make it the first of many, many, many good months ahead, please, God. Uh, and I thank you for joining us. Wednesday morning broadcast, you're listening to JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Dr. Elia Stromberg, author of the book Chosen Fathers, Life Lessons Learned from Fathers of Children with Disabilities. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure to always tune in to JM Rewind and keep it here for great music, great conversation, and more on the Nahum Siegel Network.